say he's a technical whiz. Some say he was born in Cornwall. While some say he's on a journey. It's the journey. And here's your host, David Hackett. Born in New York City and attended Trenton State College in New Jersey, where she studied as little as possible. At the tender age of 19, she escaped to LA and quite by accident fell into what would become an exciting and influential 40-year career in the music and entertainment industries, using its songs for major market radio stations in the US and developing new artists, helping expose their music to the world. She led the Philadelphia Grammy chapter and dabbled in repertoire theatre before opening her greatest professional achievement, a children's music school called Rock and Roll After School, which taught kids to write and perform their own, very own original songs. In 2014, our guest today delivered a TEDx talk to honour work with children, and we introduced, because I'm not going to say any more than what I just said, we introduced Erin Wiley to the journey. Hello, David, and thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's an honor and a no, pleasure to speak with you today. No worries. Now, before we started recording, we spoke about everyone has a journey, and your journey is not the usual beginning to end. We want to start where your journey began. Well, that's uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Let me start at the end and then go back to the beginning which is what helped me to kind of understand what had happened. So I'm here to speak about narcissism in relationships. So narcissism and also codependency, which is another personality trait that a person can develop uh, based on how they're raised, you know, when they're a child, whether or not they have loving environment to be raised and, and happy and healthy and secure, or if they come from a dysfunctional environment, like where there's uh, abuse or neglect or substance abuse or something like that, a child might uh, grow up to repeat some of those, you know, behaviors uh, that they learned in childhood and uh, and not really know how to choose an appropriate partner for themselves. They don't have a good example. Uh, so that would be me, but also not realizing myself uh, that I had a problem because I was so uh, successful in business and in my career and in my friendships and I had good health could never understand my why my love life never would work out. I was married twice and divorced, you know, two times, and neither marriage was a happy or healthy one. So that set me on my journey to try to figure out what had happened to me. And the way uh, I processed my own life's journey was I wrote this book. This book is called A Dark Force, 20 Years with a Covert Narcissist. So uh, quickly, the end of my story is I'm currently a 63-year-old woman. At age 60, uh, my husband of 20 years uh, filed for divorce and moved to an island off the coast of Panama with everything I ever owned and all of our retirement money. And I didn't see it coming. Uh, apparently, uh, narcissists are, well, okay, so let me go back and say that. My husband is not what anybody would normally expect uh, to see 
as a narcissist, which would be an overt narcissist, somebody who has got a big personality, who is uh, arrogant and self-absorbed and maybe cruel and heartless without empathy. That's almost the most defining characteristic of narcissism is a lack of empathy. Well, that's not all narcissists. Some narcissists fall under a different kind of a category called the covert narcissist. And while they still have the same deep self-loathing, lack of uh, uh, empathy uh, and arrogance as an overt narcissist, it presents itself in a quite a different manner. My husband was almost like Eeyore, you know, just a sad kind of a quiet, sort of helpful, agreeable fellow. It would just kind of nod his head and everyone on the outside of our relationship thought he was a quiet, nice guy, but a nice, helpful guy. No problem. At home, at times, he was a dissociative raging monster that I thought could actually really physically hurt me. But it was intermittent. You know, sometimes he's super nice and helpful. And sometimes I think he could hurt me. And it's all dependent on what may or may not trigger the narcissistic injury in a narcissist. So some interaction with my husband might cause him to snap, eyes roll back in his eye, you know, in his head, black and shaking. Hmm. Uh, and that is because he had had a psychotic break when he was a teenager. Some terrible things happened to him. His father died of uh, pancreatic cancer when he was a teen. Um, and the family didn't process it very well. And so he carried that with him uh, throughout his, he had two marriages. So anyway, uh, at the end of all of this big discard, uh, where he got off to Panama, we'd actually been building a retirement home overlooking the Caribbean. And he ended up uh, basically moving there without me. And I found out after the fact that he had actually set up all the paperwork in Panama to give himself a majority interest in the property so that he could steal it out from under my you know, feet at any time. And once those things started to become uh, known to me that he had been doing these things behind my back the whole time, uh, it set me on a path to learn about narcissism and then to learn about how did Erin Riley, me, a capable, independent, intelligent, self-reliant woman, have this happen to her. Uh, and I've come to learn that uh, it's happened to a, hundreds of thousands of people. There are people that walk around among us on the earth that do not possess genuine empathy. They have a different way of thinking about others. They think in a more transactional way where they think, well, okay, here's this person. What can I get out of this relationship? Instead of a person who's empathetic or a codependent person might be a people pleaser, might say, what can I do for you? right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Whereas a narcissist is thinking, kill or be killed. You know, I better get the upper hand here. But you can't always tell. So it was a real learning journey. And for me, I did most of my learning on YouTube for free. So during the course of the pandemic, I watched videos by psychologists and by life coaches about narcissism and codependency. I learned everything I needed to learn about it. And one of the psychologists, her name is Dr. Romani, very well known in the field of narcissism, suggested writing what she calls an ick list. And that's journal everything from your relationship with a narcissist that made you feel icky inside. Hmm. You know, because 
you need to learn what they're teaching you is you need to learn to trust your instincts and trust your gut because every one of us has an internal radar inside of us that tells us what's right and what's wrong for us alone. It's like a little compass inside you. And people are, uh, not all, but many people are trained to ignore that internal voice. They just use their brain and the cognitive dissonance happens in their brain where they'll say, well, he didn't mean that. Or she's probably, I'm probably misunderstanding or misreading that to make it okay in your mind so you can proceed forward. You push it down and push down and ignore your bad feelings. And what I learned from all of those coaches and through writing my book is the most important lessons to learn about your own life is to trust your gut and to love yourself first, mm. right? So yeah. if you put yourself first, not in a selfish way, but just think, check in with me. Am I okay with this? Do I feel good here? If it doesn't feel right, give it more time and give it more thought or take a step back from it and don't try to rationalize. Uh, so that's my uh, lesson learned for me and my life lesson learned uh, to get through this and understand how it happened to me also as a child. When I wrote this book, you know, A Dark Force, uh, I had to go all the way back to my childhood and come to the realization that my father's alcoholism and depression and my mother's uh, narcissism uh, is what pretty much pre-programmed me to be uh, taken advantage of by narcissistic people. Mm. Uh, but anyway, so I've learned that and it'll never happen to me again. And I hope it never happens to any mm. of your uh, listeners either. I hope they get my book and read it and learn uh, the signs to look out for so that they can protect themselves because there are predatory people in the world. Yeah. And it's not a safe world when it is that because like you said, narcissistic behavior is an undetected nine times out of 10 behavior. And you, you know, you don't know how people are. The only signs I know from experience of knowing how it is, is people get withdrawn. They get shut down and then they shrink away they don't want to say anything's wrong they just you know they're in the corner when you talk to them they it's like you're talking to a little child because they don't want to say anything wrong against that person that's exactly it it's like you get trained by the narcissist in your life to they call it walking on eggshells you know, you are, they have a whole arsenal of tactics that they can, they're so subtle and so um, sort of passive aggressive that you can't really even tell. And their goal is to get you to doubt yourself. So they'll gaslight you, say that never happened. I never said that. You know, are you sure you're okay? Like your memory's not, is everything okay? And you go, well, geez, maybe it is me. Right. And that's their goal to create that little sense of self-doubt. And like you just said, as a human being, as a person with a full bodied soul and life experience, you start to just shrink down. You don't want to cause any uh, any uh, rage reactions from your narcissistic person in your life. And that's their goal is to get you isolated and doing their bidding, basically there mm. to um They've, most narcissists, I would say, I want to say all narcissists have a deep self-loathing. 
and they project that onto others. So another thing to look for, if you're in a partnership with somebody that you're not sure whether or not they're narcissistic, if they're accusing you of something you're not doing, they're doing it. It's almost like the telltale sign. If you're being accused of cheating or lying or stealing or something, that person is projecting their misery on top of you and their behaviors on top of you. Mm. But you're right, there's no blood test for narcissism. There's no brain scan for narcissism. They can look at a narcissistic person's brain and say that they have perhaps like an inflated amygdala and a you know smaller hippocampus area in their brain that made them uh, you know less capable of uh, having empathetic feelings for others. Um, but it's not a it's not a guarantee. You know, it's not like you can have a, see a cancerous cell and say that person has cancer. But it even, really is based but, on even, but even if you have a scan, that doesn't say you got narcissism. It, right. It's it's behaviors. It's exactly what you said, which is you have to see that a person has pervasive, consistent behaviors that are narcissistic like triangulation triangulating you against other friends and family members projection accusing you of things they're doing when you're not doing them blame shifting is one of their little tactics as well turning it back on you you'll say well you did something that hurt me and they say yeah well what about what you did suddenly we're changing the subject and we're not talking about how that narcissist hurt you there's no apologies lots of lies and secrets but that's the only way to uh to detect a narcissism in a person is by their behavior and they're on their best behavior for a long time they do something in the beginning called love bombing and or mirroring where they're trying to attract you it's almost like a spider attracting a bug into a web they're mm. attracting you with their charm and once they've got you that's when though that belittling and that, you know, those passive aggressive remarks and stuff start to come out once they feel as though they've got you kind of trapped. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, I've known a few people that have gone through this situation. Now, I don't know them completely, completely well, but I know they came out of it, but it took a lot. But it's about convincing that person you got to stay away, you got to be strong, you got to, you know, you co re-coaching their mind to think that the good is there, but it's a very upheaval to try and make them convinced because they were like, I love them. And I'm like, no, you don't love them. You think you love them. And then you try and make them see. And then it sometimes feels like you're shouting at them because that's the only way to get through to them. That's exactly it. They people you fall in love with the false self that they present in the beginning. You think this person is my soulmate. And that's because they're doing that little trick, that little tactic called mirroring. So if I said to, you know, somebody on a date that I'm on a date with, that's a potential partner, that's a narcissist. I said, oh, I love the beach. I love the beach. And my favorite movie is The Godfather. They'd be like, oh, my God, I love the beach, too. And my favorite movie is The Godfather. Right. Might not be true. But you don't know that that person is lying to you. They're just trying to match up with you so that you believe that 
you know, they are your perfect match, your perfect partner. And the reason why they've selected you is because they can see that you do have some gullible, uh, you know, uh, Weakness. Sort of, uh, weakness. Yeah, weakness. They they can smell it that you forgive them quickly or that you're more understanding and empathetic toward their bad behavior. Mm. So uh, as long as you tolerate it and try to dismiss it yourself, go, oh, he didn't mean that with your mind, uh, it'll continue. And for me, it continued for 20 years. 20 and, years. and 20 years later, you can come out with it and say, I've written a book, I survived it, and I learned my lesson. I did. And I'm very proud of the book. Um, I have so many wonderful uh, reviews on Amazon. Uh, my book has helped a lot of people to either recognize uh, their own relationship or reprocess an old relationship that they were still struggling, you know, with understanding what had happened to them. I hope I've helped some people to look out for some signs. Uh, in the end, my book has a super happy ending, which I'm really proud of. I don't know how it worked out that way, but I really am happy to have survived, happy to be free, happy to be knowledgeable. Um, and in the end, I didn't have to go find my happiness in another person, right? So my happy ending isn't that I'm a princess that ran off with a prince somewhere. My happy ending is I got a French bulldog puppy and we have a great life together, just me and him and my friends. And if another relationship presents itself in my life, uh, I'll be able to recognize a good one from a bad one early on now. But mm -hmm. until then, it's just me and and uh, enjoying uh, getting to know the better parts of me, you know, maybe uh, also, you know, I guess uh, valuing myself just a little bit more than I did before so that I can, uh, you know, take good care of me first. So that's and, it. Like, and, and, as I, and as I would word it, we live in your lost time. That's right. Absolutely. Right. You know, my, uh, my neighbor across the way says to me all the time, this is my time. This time is for me. And so I try to say that to myself. Instead of thinking about the lost years, you know, or the mistakes I made or beating myself up, I think to myself, I've already been married, had a career, and had child. My son is 30 now. So this is my time. So I don't know exactly what that <laughs> means, but today it means I'm talking with you. Yeah. You know, and that's enjoyable. We're having we're meeting a new person across the planet somewhere. You know, it's fun. <laughs> um, so we already said about Amazon, and I know you got your links in the description. So People can get in contact with your, you via your website and obviously Instagram, Facebook, and then they can read about the book in Goodreads. And obviously, if anyone's in a professional element, they can get all of you on LinkedIn. That's correct. And guess what? Since I sent you that, David, I'm also on TikTok. <laughs> so <laughs> what I have on my Instagram, and I think a lot of people have this now, is really cool, is a link tree. So Linktree will give you a page with all of your links, how to buy my book, an autograph copy. I also sell voodoo dolls on my website because who doesn't need at least one voodoo doll, right? <laughs> so I have my book, autograph copies, and, uh, and voodoo dolls on my website. Then you can also purchase my book. Let me just promote myself again, A Dark Force, 20 Years with a Covert Narcissist by Erin Riley. You can get that on Amazon. And then as you go down, you'll see my Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, Goodreads, all those things on the link tree. 
so yeah, social media is where it's at if you're communicating, you know, message these days. So a lot mm. of different places. And to summarize, because obviously, you know, we spoke about you doing TEDx talks for children. That's rewarding as well. So we won't go into that because the main subject is about narcissism. And, you know, I applaud every bit of your life because you've done things for children, you've done things for yourself, and, you know, you've been through hell and back. But what would you say to people listening, watching now? What would you say to give them that bit of positive hope to say it's okay? Well, it's okay. That's one thing. But I'm going to repeat myself because this is what I sign in my books to people. Love yourself first and trust your gut. Like really take the time in your life, each individual person, to check in with yourself regularly. How do I feel about this? Am I okay with this? What do I want? Am I getting my needs met? And if I'm not, what can I do? to take care of my own needs because everybody needs to take care of themselves first. So put yourself first, love yourself first and trust your gut. That's my message to everybody that will keep you safe in the world. As long as you pay attention to yourself, not in an arrogant way, in a loving and caring way, respectful of yourself. And Wiley, thank you for sharing your journey with us today. And let's hope your message helps those individuals who are going through that difficult stage and I will say in that way because I don't want to be blunt but I'm saying in a difficult stage where they know there is help out there for them. There is a lot of help out there and I think there's a lot more awareness about narcissistic abuse and recovery and the damages that it can cause to people and there are many resources like I said, I learned so much on YouTube for free uh, that it got me started on my healing journey. So just look around outside of yourself uh, because people want to help. Yes, I agree. Thank you very much. Thank you, David, for your time and thank you for the opportunity. Take care. Bye-bye. That was The Journey, hosted by Wise Words Imaging, hosted by David Hackett. Be sure to like, subscribe and listen to another journey coming soon.